The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. It is a good day to be in God's house. Glad that everyone is here. If you've got a Bible, and I certainly hope that you do, I hope that I would preach in a way that would cause you to need a Bible. 1 Peter chapter 4. By now, many of you have your gum wrapper made its home there in 1 Peter because we've been there for a little while, but we're going to continue on, and, we, and, and I just hope that you would know that as we go through the book of 1 Peter, uh, it, it is not as if I would treat it in such a way that we're in the book of 1 Peter and I just feel like we're there until we're finished. I do foresee that the Holy Spirit would guide us to, to see the completion of being preached through this book, uh, but we take breaks. We've taken many breaks from it uh, for different special events, and, and I just hope that you would all trust that I'm, I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading in, in what, what we all need, myself and yourself included. 1 Peter chapter 4. Uh, you know, I have never really been one for backpacking, but I've done a lot of camping, uh, a lot of what you might call traveling camping that involves canoes and taking all of your equipment, your clothing, your food, all of your supplies in a backpack on your back and traveling some way, whether it was by truck or canoe or whatever. Not really many long miles of hiking, backpacking. But the one thing I do know about the equipment that backpackers use is that each item fulfills a different purpose. Your miniature stove it fulfills a purpose of cooking that only it can fulfill. Uh, your compass fulfills a purpose that only it can fulfill. Your sleeping bag does something completely different than those two other things. And all of the items that a backpacker or a camper has in their backpack, they're all different items, but there's one uniting factor among all of those items that's very important. And it's that they are all very light because <laughs> you don't want to have too much weight on your back as you travel. As we look at today's text, 1 Peter chapter 4, you can find verse 7. You'll find this same principle to be true, that what God is teaching us, what God is teaching His children, this book being written about 64 A.D. to God's suffering church, this is the same type of instruction that God gives us today. And you'll find that there's many differing pieces to what God is instructing us, but there's one uniting theme. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7, it says, but the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. And above all things, have fervent love for one another. For love will cover a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. If you love God's Word, say yes. So, the first thing that it says, looking back to verse 7, it says, but the end of all things is at hand, if the first thing that popped in your mind is coronavirus, you probably should quit watching the news so much. 
But the end of all things is at hand. And certainly I don't want to diminish any real concerns for that, but I hope you understand my heart. That the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Okay, so the first the question that comes out of this text for us is what does it mean for all things to be an end? For the end of all things to be at hand. Uh, two main interpretations that I'll give you that are, are most common. One of which is, is to think that, that God is saying to His children, the end of all things is at hand. Jesus is going to come back at some point, which you and I know that that is true. Revelation 22, verses 12 through 13 says, But behold, or and behold, I am coming quickly, Jesus says, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to His work. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The other interpretation when it says that the end of all things is at hand is simply that the end of all things as we know it is, is at an end. These bodies will fade. The clothes that we wear will wear out. The carpet that we're standing on will eventually need replaced. There's a season for everything. And the idea along with this interpretation comes out of Ecclesiastes 3 verses 1 through 8, which says to everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away, and a time to gather. So we see in that interpretation that it's basically saying there's an end to all things as we know there's a season for all things. And here's the great part about this is that regardless of which way you go with that interpretation, the command is still the same. Therefore, the Bible says, be serious and watchful in your prayers. So the first thing we'll say is be watchful in prayer. Martin Luther said, quote, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. End of quote. You know, my daughter Daisy, now a year and a half year old, she obviously is not at the age where she really understands what's happening in prayer and why we pray and those types of things, but she's gotten into the rhythm to know that Abby and I always pray before we eat. And she's got this really funny thing that she does pretty much about anything that's in the normal routine. If you don't do what's in the normal routine, she can't really talk too well. It's more of this baby jabber that just kind of comes out. But anytime something happens that doesn't happen in the proper order, she's always just like, ah! And she, that's the only way she knows how to describe it. And, and the other week, I remember we were getting ready to eat. Abby sets the food down on the table. And I, I, I don't even think I picked up my fork. I think I just thought about picking up my fork. And Daisy looks at me and goes, ah! And I thought, I, you know, I mean, it was kind of funny, but in the moment I thought, man, you know, I really hope she still has that same attitude of prayer when she's 15, when she's 16, when she's an adult. I hope that she is that insistent, just so adamant about we got to pray. We must be watchful about our prayer. Be watchful in your prayer search. And the reason it gives is because the end of all things is at hand. And uh, <laughs> this morning, I... You, uh, many of you may know that Abby is on a pretty restricted diet and Abby goes this morning, she goes, I had a dream last night that it was the end of the world. And I expected some real profound thing to come out of her mouth. And she says, you know what I did? I was eating ice cream and a cookie. <laughs> she was like, I should, you wouldn't think I'd be praying for people. Be watchful in your prayers, church, because the end of all things is at hand. And if that's ice cream and cookies, whatever, okay? Be watchful in your prayers. How many of you have ever seen a movie where they've got the, the large wooden ship 
and there's the large, I guess it would be called the main mast of the ship, and at the very top is what they sometimes will call a crow's nest. It's a small place where a man or a couple men can stand watch very high up on the highest point of the ship, and they can look out very far above, above the water and see all the things that, that's coming. Sometimes they would call it a crow's nest. They would usually call the people, the men that would stand up in those contraptions, they would call the barrel men, because it was a lot of times resembled a bit of a barrel-type shape that they would stand in and keep watch. As they would keep watch, they would be looking primarily for shallow rocks, or sandbars that the ship might run aground on. And the level at which they were watching, if they were not watchful, it could mean the total failure of the voyage and very likely all the lives of those on board. Can I just tell us, church, that if we are not watchful in our prayers, it very well may mean the total disaster of our families and our very lives themselves we must be watchful in prayer especially as we progress through time especially as we have difficult times like we know the church was having in the time that this was written that God first spoke these words to his children we must be watchful in prayer now that's one camping tool or piece of equipment if you will moving on to the next one we look at verse 8 it says, and above all things, everyone say all things with me. Ready, set, go. All things, above all things, above our own personal comfort, above our own likes and dislikes. And this is my words, not Scripture, so I hope you have a Bible. Above people who just aren't nice to us or previous wrongs or personality differences, above all things, the Bible says now, have fervent love for one another. Four, love will cover a multitude of sins. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. So this next piece of camping equipment, if you will, is that we are to have fer- be fervent in love. Fervent for our love for one another. Young Tommy one time stole his brother George's toy train. And, uh, and George was rather upset about that. He goes crying to his parents. And then the mother walks in and takes the toy train that didn't belong to Tommy and gave it to George. And, and he says, Tommy, now, now apologize to your brother George for stealing his train. And Tommy says, sorry. And she says to George, now George, say, I forgive you. And George says, I forgive you. When the Bible talks about brotherly love like it does in this Scripture and in Romans 12.10, it says, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. The picture is not what I just painted, but the picture rather is two brothers running through the woods with these gleaming smiles on their their faces. They're so excited to be together. They love one another and they're united together playing in the woods, doing whatever it is that the mission that they're doing, having a kindly affectionate brotherly love towards each other, and that is what we are called to above all things. We're to have fervent love for one another. Uh, the world should know that Travis and I are Christians based on the way that Travis and I treat each other. It should be evident. John 13, verses 34 through 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love. For one another. People should be able to see the way that we interact and immediately go, Christians. 
They love one another. They've got a love that is not of this world. It's a love from God in their own hearts. They, the unity and love that this church has for one another, that there's no way that this is in their own self. Because here's what we know, that, and, and I'm willing to say this of me, and I think if we were all honest, we could probably all say this. We in and of ourselves, in the absence of Christ, in the absence of His forgiveness, in the absence of His great love and mercy, and just who we are, we're about as nice as a person whose mom is a crocodile and his daddy is a badger. I mean, we just we, we are not naturally getting along loving, compassionate, kind with one another. But when the love of God changes us, when we're forgiven because of His blood, we have this thanksgiving, this love inside of our hearts that ought to spill over in such a way with our own relationships with each other as a church body that people see it and say, this is not natural. This is unnatural how much these people love and care about each other. Which is why I would say that it ought to be very commonplace among the church. And certainly married ladies and married men ought to be careful of how they say this, but it ought to be very commonplace in God's house that we say we love each other. That I love Travis and Joseph up there. I love those guys. I love their families. I, we, I love them. We have a love for each other that is, is not natural, not of this world, and is totally evident to the world around them. How many of you can remember, they don't really make buildings like this anymore, but how many of you can remember, especially in like schools and whatnot, those radiator heaters that would sit along the edge of the wall? Raise your hand if you've seen those before. Yeah, there was a class one time, a class of young students, and they were curious. They didn't understand why those things would get warm the way they would. So the janitor, being a very nice man, took this class and their teacher all down to the basement of the school to show them and give them a lesson as to why these radiator heaters would work. And, and the janitor explained that there's this very large vat, this very large boiler. And when the burner is turned on, it makes the water heat up. When the water heats up and starts boiling, it starts pushing out this steam through all the pipes. Once the hot steam reaches the radiators in those classrooms, it'll warm up the classrooms. And then the air becomes warm and it becomes very comfortable to be in there. All because of this boiling water that's pushing steam throughout the rest of the system. And he showed the students how right next to this main boiler is this small glass little viewer that you can tell how much water is in this large tank because when the large tank is, is hot enough, you can't touch it, you can't open the lid because it's all pressurized and it's all hot. And this little gauge will show you whether or not there's water inside the system. And the janitor said, but there's only one problem with this little gauge is we pour very dirty, mineral-filled water inside. This doesn't need to be clean drinking water. We just pour any kind of old water inside of this big vat that pumps steam through the system, and this little gauge is all stained with minerals and rust, and you can no longer, the gauge doesn't work. You can't tell if the gauge is showing how much water is in the system, and the gauge is no longer good, but the janitor said, but that's okay, because we know that if the classrooms are warm, it's proof positive, guaranteed that the system is working properly. Can I just tell you, church, that there are many people, many people that would call themselves Christians whose gauges are broken. You look at them and you can't tell whether or not they're a Christian or not. They may go to church, they may be, maybe tote around a large Bible and have certain things that they share on Facebook because it's what the rest of their Christian friends are doing. But the thing that will truly tell of whether or not somebody's a believer, the thing that will test proof positive as to whether or not they're a believer is if the room is warm. If the love that they have for one another and other believers is there and it's present, it's present and it's true, it's it's, it's a proof. It shows us clearly that they've been changed by the love of God. 
I, you know, I've heard many excuses in my time of ministry as to why people don't go to church. Things like, well, there's hypocrites there. Or, well, church is too early. Or, well, I don't have the right clothes. Which usually my responses to those types of things is, if there are hypocrites there, there's room for one more. If it's too early, then why are you going to Starbucks five minutes earlier than that? And if you don't have the right clothes, just wear clothes. Don't come naked. God has seen you naked. He can handle it. We can't. Just wear some modest clothing and get yourself to church. But the thing that I've never heard, and the thing that would certainly break my heart too here, is if somebody said, you know, I tried going to that church, but the people just were not loving. They did not love one another. To which my reply to that would be, well, you didn't walk into a church. You walked into something that looked like a church, but tonight, my friend, that was not a church. So, church, let us be watchful in prayer. Let us be fervent in the love that we have for one another. So, next camping item, if you will, on the list. Look now to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're already there. Look to verse 10. Watchful in prayer. Fervent in love. Now we're at verse 10. And it says, As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Okay, so I'm going to expound here and simply say that if God has granted you a lot of money, use that gift, minister it to one another as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. If you have skills in administration, administer that to the rest of the body as a good steward of the manifold grace of God. If you have construction or building abilities, which some of you in the room do have, use that for the glory of God. Use it, minister it to the rest of the body as a good steward of the grace of God, of what it is that God has given you, whether it's multimedia or cooking or whatever it is that God has gifted you in. Use that as a, as a good steward of God's manifold grace. I've had people ask me before, what does manifold grace look like? And I say, look at all the people. Are they all the good at the same things? Certainly not. Are they gifted in very a wide variety of different things? Absolutely. That working is the manifold grace of God, that we would be good stewards of those things that He has given us. Verse 11. And this one applies a lot of times to me. It says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God provide so when i speak what i know and what i'm reminded of in my spirit every single day of my life is that when i come up here to preach the very very last things that you need are the words of ben sweeterman you don't need that you need god's word i need god's word you need it preaching that's inspired by the holy spirit of god you do not need what i've just been through that week you need something that was prayed through and, and worked through in god's word to, sh to make god's word alive in our lives today and it ought to be with the grace and the mercy and the ability that god supplies not what we supply in and of ourselves so what we'll say here is that when we give we are to be giving in the lord giving in the lord and this is what you and I are made for. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship. We are the workmanship of Jesus Christ, the Bible says. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And can I just tell you, there is a difference between giving and giving in the Lord. Okay? Um, many years ago, a couple, few years ago, I don't know how long ago it was now, I bought a guitar and uh, y'all, music is just not one of the things I've been gifted in. 
And if one of you were to bring in a guitar right now, I could sit up here and I could play you a tune. But it would be giving. It would certainly not be giving. And Lord, that I assure you. There's a difference between giving and giving in the Lord. If you are not a good cook, and one of the ladies in our church has a baby, don't take them a meal. That's the last thing they need to be choking on whatever you brought out of the oven. Don't, if you're, if you're not gifted in that, don't cook and bring them a meal. Go your, take yourself to Bob Evans, buy them something that they cooked, and then take it to them, okay? There's a difference between giving and giving in the Lord. So when we give, we are to give in the Lord. We're to use what it is that, that God has gifted us with. And can I just tell you that I am very grateful that very proud as a pastor to be able to pastor a church where I know many people have gifts and talents and they're used in, in this specific way, in a very God honoring way. They're using these gifts to be a blessing and to be a good steward of what it is that God has given them. But here's what I will say is that there are more untapped potential in this room right now. There are people, and, and if I'm saying people, I'm probably talking about you. You have gifts, and you have talents, and you have abilities that people next to you don't have. Use those things. Tap those things. If there's something that you're gifted in, passionate about, something that you know the Lord has given you, cultivate those things out of your heart and seek how you may use those things for the glory of God. You have no idea how much somebody might need what it is that you have, whether it is cooking or whatever it might be. Um, boy, I tell you what, I, the, the, I don't want to pick on the McClure girls. I see them right back there, Joseph and Kelly's girls. The number of little, just little gifts that they've given my daughter, little things that they've created by hand, they're good at it. And boy, I tell you what, as a parent, there is nothing that will bless you more, especially as a pastor, for a young lady to make something that was made by hand to give to your daughter. What a blessing. Use what it is, church, that God has gifted you in for the glory of God. Be a good steward of what God has gifted in you. Cultivate. Ask God to show you what it is that He's given you and say, Lord, I want to use this for your fame and for your glory and for the church, for this bride that you have redeemed. So, we're, we are to be watchful in prayer. Another camping item is that we are to be fervent in love. And another is that we're to be giving in the Lord. All those things are very, very different, but here's the uniting theme. And if you're ready for the uniting theme, everyone say yes. First Peter, look to, we're in chapter 4, look at verse 11. Now look to the second part of verse 11, part B. It says that in all things, everyone shout with me all things, ready, set, go. All things, that in all of those things, in our watchfulness and prayer, and our fervent love for one another, and in our giving in the Lord, the Bible says that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. When we are watchful in our prayers, church, and men, we're leading our families, we're praying. Ladies, when you're praying for your children, as we pray together as our families and we're praying, say, Lord, keep us from temptation. God, give us direction for our family. Show us the way we should go. Show us the things we should and should not do. We're like a barrel man and we're, we're watching out over the water, making sure that the ship does not run aground on anything that could cause it harm. We're watchful in our prayer. We glorify God through Jesus Christ because we're showing Him in our actions, in the proof of our actions, that we love Him, that we care about Him, and that we want God to be our shepherd we're we're looking for his leadership and us being the sheep we're not taking control we're not taking the helm of the ship we're trusting jesus as our direction and in our fervent love for one another 
and the room is warm and we're, we're gracious and compassionate and forgiving and slow to anger with each other, we're, we're showing that we're glorifying God through Jesus Christ. We're saying to each other, even though someone may have wronged me, and that person is being a doofus, and they don't deserve my forgiveness or my grace, I'm going to let the grace that has captured my heart, the truth of God that has pierced my heart, I'm going to let that overflow to forgive them. They're my brother in the Lord. They're my sister in the Lord. I've got to love them fervently. Let the room be warm with God's love today. And when we give in the Lord, when we share what it is that God has given us, we glorify God through Jesus Christ. It's God who created us for that purpose. We glorify our Maker when we say, God, here's how You made me. Let me use it for Your kingdom and for Your glory. Now here's the sweetest part of all this. And Brian, if you would come as we could ask ourselves the question this morning, was Jesus watchful in prayer? Because here's what I'll just say. You know, Jesus, I love following Jesus. He's a master. He's a savior. He's a great king. He's a wonderful God. He's gracious. He's, I mean, I, I cannot tell you the wonderful things about our God and about our savior. But here's the thing. Here's something that just has captured my heart this week. Is man, he's such a wonderful, perfect example. He's so easy to follow because He shows us the way. He, there, there's, there's nothing that Christ has asked us to do that He's not already shown us the perfect way to do it. Was He watchful in prayer? My goodness, yes. It's like every other thing that He did was seeking a place of solitude to pray, to be watchful over His prayers. Was He fervent in love? Oh my goodness. He was, he was washing their feet. He was, he was continually sacrificing His own comfort for the comfort and the safety and the protection of His followers. He was absolutely fervent in love. Was He giving in the Lord? He gave everything in the Lord. He gave everything that He had to give in the Lord for you and for me. So when we trust Jesus and we follow Him, my goodness, it, it could not be further away from a list of do's and don'ts. It is a way of living that Jesus says, I've already shown you the way. I've already redeemed you. I've already forgiven you. Even when you fall down, I've paid for you to get back up. Just keep following me. Keep trusting me. Oh, the way of Jesus is so gracious, church. If you believe that, say amen. My prayer and hope is that we all know Him as Lord and as Savior. That we don't just know about Him, but that we're following Him that we're trusting Him, that He's not just someone we know about, He's someone we know personally. Ah, oh, there's no sweeter grace, there's no sweeter love that we could ever know than to follow Jesus and to trust Him. Would you stand with me? Let's pray as we respond to the Lord. Father, thank You. Jesus, thank You that You showed us the way in being fervent in prayer. Fervent in love. Fervent in, in giving in the Lord. God, these are things that You've called us to do. These are things that You've, that you've called us to follow You in. So Father, would You change us? Be with us, God. Cultivate those things out of our hearts. Things that You, you have... When You knit us together in our mother's wombs, You made us good at certain things, God. You made us passionate about certain things. God, use those things. Put a magnifying glass on those things in our hearts and help us to use those things for Your grace and Your glory, God. God, where would we be if whoever it was that discipled us and ministered to us and loved on us 
and brought us a meal and, and made us a gift? Where would we be, God, if it wasn't for those people who, who You chose through their life to show us Your grace and Your mercy? Your manifold grace. So many ways in which Your grace works through people, God. Make us wise stewards, I pray, of those things. Jesus, thank You for showing us the way. We love You. We love You so much. In Jesus' name. And everybody says together, Amen. Let's sing as we worship together.